Welcome to American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. Welcome to the program today. Coming up in a few moments, I have a special guest. His name is Jay Collier Adams. He's an attorney from West Texas. We'll be talking about the raid at Mar-a-Lago as well as other items that are of interest to us nationally and statewide. First of all, however, I do want to think about the nation's, what is called the nation's erasure. I have in front of me a great article by John Cackleman. He's, a, he's a, an attorney in the state of Alabama. And this will appear on my website, which is American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. And the article will, will appear there. So this is John Cackleman's material. And, uh, but he has laid it out as, as succinctly as I think and, and powerfully as anybody can do. And he's talking about, of course, the dangerous state in which our nation finds itself right now. He tells us a failed nation is the consequence of a citizen's or of the citizenry's complacency. A corrupt nation is the product of corrupt politicians and bureaucrats. A nation's erasure is the divine judgment on the population bowing submissively and surrendering their inalienable rights to a totalitarian group. It is the choice of citizens. An undeniable historical fact is that there is a constant rerun in civilization's chronicles. Nations rise and fall because of the citizen population. And once the citizens resign their individual rights and freedoms, then the nation's foundations crack and crumble. And that is, once again, the choice of citizens. When the citizens choose silence over common sense questioning, when the citizens relinquish all choices to the state and render foolish compliance to the inanest mandates, when the body politic is run by authorities viewing themselves as elitists, a nation's erasure is an absolute consequence. The formula is absolute. National calamity results. That is the choice, again, of citizens. The history of the national rise and fall of world empires has one constant factor. The citizens did nothing. They chose to allow the decline of the national conscience and urge the national consciousness to be desensitized. They sat in silence while their nation imploded within, from corruption within, in the highest levels of governing and accepted the fall as the enemy outside completed the nation's destruction. This is a fact. It is an absolute fact. It can be denied, but it cannot be evaded. It may be forestalled, but it's inevitably it is certain. An illustration is the lament of the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, who witnessed the fall of his beloved city, Jerusalem. The national demise followed the same historic pattern that we've been talking about. The national fall was, once again, the choice of the citizens. The prophet lamented, How lonely sits the city that once had so many people. She has become like a widow who is once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become now a forced laborer. She has no one to comfort her. All, her, all who pursued her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. It is bitter for her. Her adversaries have become her masters. Her splendor is gone. It is nothing, or is it nothing to all of you who pass by this way? The fall of Jerusalem in the Old Testament was the choice of citizens. Listen again to the prophet's heartbreaking query as he asked the people who walked by the ruins of that once great nation, is it nothing to all of you who pass by this way? When the citizens become complacent, the political leaders become corrupt, 
and all personal liberties are surrendered to totalitarian mandates, then national erasure is assured. Consider for a moment the erasure of Germany, the historic erasure of a great nation from the recent time that would be the fall of Germany. The nation's citizens surrendered to the controlling politicians and disaster was ignited. The extremism of Germany's political forces resulted in the nation's erasure. As one person noted, Germany died in the Second World War. That is the tragic truth, and although the German nation continues to exist today, what the German people lost with the war goes far beyond the obvious material and human losses. It was the erasure of an entire nation. The same thing is true regarding Russia. Volumes of material validate the erasure of Russia as a great nation. Once vined for the number one spot in the world empire, the nation fall or the national fall has been a historic rerun of the same thing that we're talking about, the erasure of a nation, this complacency of citizenry. The amazing fall of the USSR was the product of a number of factors eventually bringing about its dissolution. The fragmentation of the one world power continues today as its elite rulers attempt to crush all opposition, and we're seeing it right here in America. If you want a clear illustration of how a police state functions, look at the current affairs in Russia. This is how a police state functions. The most prominent opposition figure to Vladimir Putin was Alexei Navalny. He's been found guilty of fraud and contempt of court. That is, Vladimir Putin seeked the courts on him. The charges are only validated only by the state's prosecution and intended only to silence the vocal opposition. Not surprising is the state's verdict that such opposition deserves nine years' sentence in prison. The intimidation tactic is well communicated to others thinking of opposition. The rest of the people quail in fear. The reality of a police state, and by the way, mentioning the Soviet Union and the police state that is there, the opposition to Vladimir Putin, does it sound familiar? The police state going after the opposition party It should. We have it going on in America right now. The reality of a police state persecuting its critics is amply illustrated. Another account of Russia's far-reaching intimidation is supplied by the mysterious death of a prominent critic of Vladimir Putin in Washington's West End. This is drawing fury from Kremlin's best-known global detractors, but scant notice in Washington where police say they do not suspect foul play behind Dan Rappaport's fall from luxury apartment building the night of August 14th. The erasure of the United States of America. It is going on even as we speak. Our great nation cannot escape the inevitability of the historic constant. The historic constant is undeniable. If the nation's citizens become so complacent and the political leaders become so corrupt, and all personal liberties are surrendered to totalitarian mandates, the national erasure is assured. So where are we in the United States? We are fast coming to a police state, which is what we've talked about, which is what we've warned about since the day that this program was conceived. There's hope of rescue, but the citizens have to come out of complacency. We have evil going on in the top, top echelons of the United States government. 
surely not every law enforcement agent in the federal, state, and local agencies are compromised. There are those in positions who can step forward and speak out. But right now, we have a very few number that are whistleblowers coming forward to expose the corruption, the illegality, the evil schemes, and subversions that are taking place in the halls of government right now. And before this year is out, you're going to see much more of it coming forward as people try to get rid of Donald Trump. They don't want him to run anymore at all. What we're seeing is corruption at its highest level and it's at its deepest level also. The raid on Mar-a-Lago is exactly what I'm talking about. You are seeing, you're witnessing an FBI that is so corrupt, it needs to be simply closed shop. It needs to be erased itself before this country is erased. That's what needs to take place. We need to get rid of the FBI. The corruption is too deep, and it cannot be reformed by putting another guy on top of it. That's what's taking place in America. So who's going to step forward to expose the corruptions, the illegalities, the compromises that are plaguing our nation and fueling our erasure? Who will have the courage to be bold enough and to be a heroic figure to stand up to the corruption that is taking place? The constitutional principles upon which this country were founded, they're absolutely gone. They have already been erased, and we're now racing ourselves to the bottom. We need to do something very quickly in America. Now, the very first segment, I talked about a nation's erasure. And I want to be more specific this time when we talk about the fraud that was in the election of Joe Biden as president. Informed conservatives have been suspicious from the beginning that the last presidential election, which put Joe Biden in the White House, was fraudulent. But the establishment has refused to talk about it. They've refused even to acknowledge that there was a problem with the voting. After hundreds of protesters showed up in Washington, D.C. to voice their concerns about election integrity, the dictatorial Biden administration has jailed so many of them without even having so much as charges laid against them. And they still languish there in Washington, D.C. jails. And the most serious charge that has ever come up with by most for most of them, is simply trespassing into the Capitol building. This is what Joe Biden's America will look like if he continues on the same track. Now, then came Dinesh D'Souza's movie, 2,000 Mules. It documented by camera the flagrant Democratic cheating during the Biden election. But mainstream media poo-pooed the entire movie. And the conservative, so-called conservative news outlet, Fox News, has refused to even allow coverage of the movie at all. Dinesh D'Souza basically has been banned from Fox News. And most Republicans have adopted the disposition, and I'm sick of hearing it, and that is, well, we'll get them next time. Ladies and gentlemen, there is not going to be a next time if the last time, if we cannot have the integrity of the election assured to us in the last election. That's the truth of the matter. And there's no getting them next time if we don't know or if we're not assured that there is integrity of the elections in the last election. That's exactly the case. And now we discover, lo and behold, from what came out two weeks ago from Mark Zuckerberg, that indeed the federal government 
have put their thumbs on the scale in favor of Joe Biden in the election. It's not simply a theory that conservatives come up with. We know that there was fraud in the election of Biden. And this is not just a local race taking place out somewhere in Timbuktu. The Federal Bureau of Investigation did downfield blocking for Joe Biden. The question is, what are we going to do about it? And he's changing, he's erasing this this nation as quickly as I'm speaking, letting thousands and thousands and thousands of illegals come into our country at the same time, not vaccinated, by the way, as if we were really serious about that, and at the same time, denying world-class soccer players from coming over here and participating in America because he's not vaccinated. The hypocrisy just goes so deep. Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, revealed on Joe Rogan's podcast a week and a half ago that the FBI had warned the employees of Facebook that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. And not only did the FBI knowingly lie about the laptop, but Facebook, which has become a government functionary, by the way, had their algorithms suppressed suppressing the stories about the laptop during the election season. And here are Zuckerberg's words. The FBI basically came to us and spoke to some folks on our team and was like, hey, just so you know, you should be on high alert. We thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. Now, here's one of the interesting things about this. There was a lot of Russian disinformation in the 2016 election. In other words, the FBI is still carrying the water for the Biden administration and the Democratic National Committee that Trump was elected with Russian disinformation. That is a crock. That is a lie. And the FBI lied to Zuckerberg saying, yes, that's how Trump got into office. There was a lot of Russian disinformation, and there's a lot more also on this one. And they're speaking about, of course, Hunter Biden's laptop. Zuckerberg went on to say the FBI basically came to us and said, hey, you know there is, you need to be on high alert because the last election, Russian disinformation, so also in this one. Now, once more, for emphasis sake, the law enforcement arm of the Justice Department, the United States government, the federal level government, police force actually rigged the election in favor of Joe Biden, purposefully misleading the American public. The government entity, the FBI, peddled the lie that the incriminating evidence on Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't get any bigger than that. But that's what's going on in America. And now we know two things. Number one, Our government does have a deep state machine which is running amok in favor of socialism of the Democratic Party. And so much for all those idiots who come out marching out of the the universities and out of the academy and say, there's no such thing as a deep state. Yes, there is a deep state. And this is, Mark Zuckerberg shows exactly that's the case. And number two, it shows that the fact-checking scenario that silences so many voices on the right with the label of misinformation 
on YouTube posts and Facebook posts is nothing less than a modern-day Gestapo. Misinformation. This is false information. All of that is a crock as well. There's nothing to it. It is simply the high-hand fist of the government coming down on conservatives. Now, upon what grounds would Americans and should Americans be satisfied that the integrity of future elections are going to be there if the last one was conducted with Democrat guile? What confidence have Americans in the election process? But this is only the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen. The Biden administration is in bed with communist China. According to the Federalist, in mid-October, the New York Post published content from the abandoned laptop revealing that then-candidate Joe Biden had been lying when he repeatedly claimed that he never spoke business with his son or anyone else. He is a certified A1, A-plus liar. Emails found on the hard drive also showed that the former vice president stood to personally profit from Hunter's business dealings thanks to close affiliates with the Chinese Communist Party. Now, these, de- these revelations demonstrate treasonous behavior on the part of Joe Biden. Yes, it is treasonous, to say the least. Zuckerberg also stated during the same interview with Joe Rogan, we just kind of thought that if the FBI, which I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's like very professional law enforcement, they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Well, that's where Zuckerberg went wrong. Trusting the government arm, just like most of the Democrats that I know, all the FBI, they're going to be trustworthy. They'll be, they'll be having integrity. No, no, that's not what's going on at all. We have a deep state going on. And this is what we get for trusting the gargantuan government, out-of-control government, federal government, and the operatives therein. This is what we get. The founding fathers of our country, constitutionalist one and all, told us you better not get a big federal government because you cannot control it when it gets out of control. When it gets to be federal level, you can't control it. But now they want an international government. They can't control that as well. We cannot control a federal government that is out of control, just as our founding fathers warned us. This is the same FBI, I remind you, that orchestrated, together with the Democrats, the grand hoax against Donald Trump while he was in office, declaring he was a Russian asset. And they're still playing the same game, according to Mark Zuckerberg. Still playing that same game, even though it has been debunked, plainly. And we know that it's a lie. But the FBI continues to say to Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the last election, that was Donald Trump's presidency. He was put into office by Russian disinformation. Leading Democrat California congressman, I, I can still see him today, Adam Schiff, actually standing before cameras on the Capitol Hill and stating with a straight face, we have smoking gun proof that Trump colluded with Russia. It was a grand lie. Nothing ever came out of it. Nothing is going to come out of it. It was all a pack of lies. But more. Last Wednesday, that is a week ago Wednesday, Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson published a whistleblower report from bureau officials who claim that the agency leaders instructed the agents to ignore the laptop's contents. Ignore them. 
That's what's going on with the FBI. According to Tristan Justice in The Federalist, after the FBI obtained the Hunter Biden laptop from a Wilmington, Delaware computer shop, these whistleblowers stated that local FBI leadership told the employees, you will not look at Hunter Biden's laptop and that the FBI is not going to change the outcome of the election again. That's what Johnson wrote in a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, the FBI put their thumb on the scales of Joe Biden's election to the presidency. And all I hear out of Republicans is, well, we'll get them next time. Well, we're going to build up a great voter base, and we're going to, we're going to have the Republicans take back the House in November. Really? Is that what's going to happen? We now have the smoking gun evidence that the Democrats have cheated their way into the White House. What are we going to do about it? That's what I want to know. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. We have our special guest who's joined us by telephone, and his name is Jay Collier Adams. He's an attorney in West Texas. I've not had him on before, and I've seen him, uh, some of the things that he writes here and there, and I thought, boy, this guy is really, really sharp on the Constitution and the principles behind the Constitution, which I think is really important for people to be able to see, and I wanted to have him on. So uh, we're having him on for the first time today. So welcome to the program, Jay. Well, thank you very much, Bill. I'm very honored uh, to uh, join uh, your long list of esteemed uh, guests, really. I am. Well, thank you for that. You know, I, um, I've i had some great guests on here indeed, but uh, I tell you what, I've, I've seen some of the things you've written, and I've really appreciated your thoughts on the Constitution and what's taking place in America and the constitutionality or the lack thereof that we're seeing. But before we do any of that, I thought maybe you might uh, give a little background to yourself and uh, your law school background, and and maybe then we'll kind of explore how you came to the ideas about uh, that God-given freedom was the center of it, as our founding fathers put it. Right. Uh, I was graduated from uh, Texas Tech Law School about 83 and uh, we were told at the end of school that uh, we were taught the basics, now go learn the law. <laughs> and and what I found yeah. out in my research was that we were not taught the basics. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, I was reading a book by an attorney named Capel with uh, the NRA, uh, and he cited a case, uh, U.S. v. Crookshank, 92 U.S. 542 in 1875 that states that our rights come from Almighty God. And uh, it incorporated, the case incorporated as black letter law of the United States, uh, uh, the uh, the parts of the Declaration of Independence that say that our rights are uh, unalienable, that... that, uh, uh, to life, liberty, and property, that they're almost without limit, and uh, and it's and it's related to uh, you know the natural law and and the, well the law of nature and of nature's God, and I was astounded. I, I checked my constitutional law text to see if the case was in there uh, because uh, I remember our con law telling us that the declaration was not a part of U.S. law. Oh, is that right? Well, 
You're right. Mm. He, was the, he was the local chapter of the ACLU at the time. Mm, okay, that explains and, uh, that. And, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, uh, I, I found I, the case was footnoted in my constitutional law text, but only as one of many equal protection cases. It didn't, you know, that. And, and there was a, another lawyer before my time named Hughes who was so impressed by that particular uh, case that he wrote uh, a, a four-volume um, uh, set. It's parts an index and parts a discussion, but it's uh, it's called the rudiments. Uh, man's name is Hughes, and he, it's the grounds and rudiments of the law. And he was so impressed by the, that case, he, he printed it in full in his, in his work. And then... Uh, there's a, a Texas case that it's a nuisance case that, that if you look at the site and go go back a case or two, it goes to Blackstone who uh, uh, who says that uh, uh, really we need to conduct our ways uh, according to Christ's admonition that we treat each other as as we want to be treated, and 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 so I mean there's just there's literally a Texas pickup truck bed load of of uh, books and texts that uh, connect our law to to Almighty God. That is interesting. You know, I I like to tell students, remind them that um, the founding fathers quoted prolifically from people like Blackstone and even Cicero and uh, Montesquieu, people like that. But by far the quotations that they derived their ideas from came from the Bible. Much more percentage, I think more than 30% approximately came from the Bible. They got biblical concepts, and the Declaration has always been considered part of the law of the land, and that's, I just, that's uh, pretty shocking. But, so at that point, you, um, that was, I was going to say shocking because the ACLU professor just wanted to discount that, but... Um, so, Jay, let me ask you this. So, at that point, you began to do some research and discovered um, the God-given, centered, uh, God, God-centered worldview, and and how did that go? I did. Uh, I had there was uh, Dad collected old books, and uh, uh, so I've got uh, the original fourth edition of uh, Maxims of the Law, and. Uh, uh, the last line of it is that the maxims written with the finger of Almighty God upon the heart of man, and uh, 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 there's some 600 maxims that uh, are in Latin, and uh, we're we only touch on a hundred or so uh, in a, in a regular law law class. Well, is is it the case, uh, Jay, that modern law students study case law, and and then therefore they exclude a lot of the constitutional concepts? I think what happens is that is that uh, well, and I've seen it. Uh, I've seen I've seen what happens. The uh, um, they'll they'll cite one sentence that will that will be very strong toward our god-given rights uh 
and and what the reader won't realize without going back to that to that cited case is that that case cites another one cites another one cites another one and mm-hmm. earlier and and there isn't just one little blurb when when you go to that case it'll it'll have pages of pages of of support for that one sentence and that's how that's how these case decisions, even though they they seem really long, even to me, uh, can can uh, uh, can convey so much information in the sh- in the small amount of of space that they take. And and when we're not taught that there's another uh, another side, uh, then we then we never argue the other side. Uh, for example, uh, um, uh, alternate pleadings. If you plead uh, one thing, uh, you're allowed to plead another thing that negates the first thing you pled. Well, uh, there's a, there's a maxim that that opposes that that a person should not uh, that a lawyer hmm. should not plead. Uh, and so I never knew that alternate pleading uh, had been. Uh, this uh, uh, disfavored uh, for hundreds of years, and so you know. And I remember first hearing about it in law school, thinking, "Oh, well, that's why I'm in law school to learn all these little tricks." Well, guess what? Uh, that wasn't favored uh, years and years and years ago. So uh, interesting. And, yeah, it's laws. Laws evolved, and and not to the not to the better. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, I have uh, my son is an attorney, and his wife also, and uh, they they sound like you do when they talk about it. You know, things have really um, gone awry in a lot of the areas of law. But, but um, I, you know, I wanted to turn attention to uh, something that you've been talking about, and that is about the Mar-a-Lago raid. I mean, I we only have maybe about a couple minutes before we go to break, but. Uh, just to kind of throw it out there, just kind of looking at a specific, um, in, in my view, we're looking at something that's uh, a, a government that's this way out of its boundaries, and uh, it sounds like what's gone on in the Soviet Union, you know, you have Vladimir Putin who sends his henchmen to put down the other side, and it just sounds like exactly what's going on there. And so I just wonder if you might reflect generally on that. Sure. Um, um there's a prohibition against uh, communism in the United States, and uh, and they say, well, as long as it's ideology and not violence, then it's uh, you know you can say whatever you want to say, hmm. basically, and uh, and so uh, uh, that's not true. Uh, uh, we're we take the oath. To support the the laws and and constitution of the United States, but when the laws violate the constitution, the constitution should be supreme. And uh, and, and I think what we're seeing with Democrat attempts to gain party superiority to pack the court, nationalize voting, uh, destroying free speech and self defense rights, mining the U.S. Treasury. Uh, printing money uh, to cover crushing national debt puts 
party goals in supremacy over the three branches uh, 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 and powers of legitimate government. And and in order to carry out the raid on Mar-a-Lago, they had to break the close. In other words, enter the enclosure of President Trump's house. And even with a warrant, uh, that's that's violence. And... uh, and so we're seeing the processes like Lenin's pistol of the state, an expression of that, where, where, where the FBI leadership, uh, and I don't, you know, we're all kind of trying to figure out, you know, what, what is really going on. And I wonder if it wasn't when Bill Clinton purged the, the Department of Justice lawyers, had them all send in uh, resignations. And uh, and resumes, and then and, and when but when Bush fired eight, you know there was a huge hue and cry, like mm-hmm. you know it just. Uh, so I kind of wonder if the DOJ doesn't control the the FBI, and that's where the real problem is. I see. Well, listen, let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to ask you more about it. I have an article in my hand here. This is uh, from uh, the Epic Times. And it's about uh, the Spygate documents and Trump's RICO lawsuit exploring the real reasons behind the FBI raid. And and the author uh, author of the article, Jeff Carlson, uh, puts out a couple of things that uh, maybe kind of pique our interest. So we'll ask you about that and some other items. We'll be right back more with Jay Collier Adams after this. We're back with Jay Collier Adams, an attorney in West Texas. And uh, we've just talked about some of the directions that our government is headed we talked about the founding just for a few moments and the concept of the God-given rights that we have. And basically that the government's role, as foreseen by the founders, is simply to protect the rights that God gave us. And not that we can just go run amok and go afield, but the problem has always been with governments, and that is that the governments aggrandize too much power to themselves. And in all, all branches of government finally end up in one office and we basically have an oligarchy or a monarchy or something of that nature, which I think we're kind of getting to really close to an oligarchy in our country. And so, um, uh, Jay, let me ask you this. This is regarding the Trump Mar-a-Lago raid, and I just mentioned it before we went to break, but there's an article in Epic Times, and you might, uh, you're not maybe familiar with the article, but you might just reflect on it a second. It's just, they're, they're saying this is one uh, article by Jeff Carlson. He says, it's likely the FBI's raid was driven by intelligence community fears over information that was contained within those documents relating to the Russiagate hoax. And the DOJ's coordinated FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago was likely related to the potential unsealing and public presentation of this information, particularly in relation to Trump's racketeer-influenced and corruption organizations act suit against Hillary Clinton. So in other words, I take it that they're saying, you know, he has the goods on the government and maybe they want to retrieve that information. Well, it's uh, it's certainly plausible. Um, I've I personally and I, personally I've thought that what they what they really need to do is to keep uh is to keep uh trashing President Trump in the media and that the whole thing's a pre-planned uh, media stunt, just like the uh, Russian uh, Russian collusion hoax was. And, you know, when we listen to the, the news and even radio ads in between programs and that kind of thing, the, 
the uh, commentators uh, speak in terms of Trump being guilty already without a trial, and and yet they so they're trying him extra judicious judicially and in the media uh, without the right to confront the witnesses. He's uh, they want to uh, there's a, a move now to get a special master appointed to see the affidavits. Uh, in order to see what the uh, what what the DOJ is hiding uh, from uh, uh, from President Trump, and you know they may have thought that they could keep all of that uh, all of that secret anyway, and encourage some people to. But the article in the Wall Street Journal by lawyers Rivkin and Casey, uh, the headline was that the Trump warrant had no legal basis. And it's on a pretty simple uh, uh, thing to understand. The Presidential Records Act specifically deals with those records, and it governs over general statutes of other things uh, uh, because the specific uh, prevails over the general when, when we're talking about the application of law. And that's an elementary, elementary concept that Merrick Garland learned in first year of law school. So, so really, he should do, I think, the hard thing, and 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 that is basically withdraw what he's doing. He he was he he looks like he's totally involved in politics, or someone behind him is. There's a lot of people in the FBI who are very uh, 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 very concerned and worried, and you know, one uh, acting uh, assistant direct, former assistant director, said that the FBI will regret it. Well, I don't think they will. I think the people that have orchestrated this are doing what they need to do uh, to try to continually trash President Trump in the public eye. Right. I think you're exactly right about that. It seems to me that that's exactly what's taking place. For one thing, it's almost like uh, when a child. Uh, lies to you and then they i mean when you, they tell they change the story and you know you you know you're dealing with lies when they're changing the story about how what happened and what the reasons were that's exactly what the doj is doing that first we were even told that they he had nuclear secrets well mm-hmm. but now that they've dropped that and they've gone on with other things and it's just you know you, you get it sounds so fishy all the time so i i wondered also to ask you jay about the the local sheriff's office could do they not have the jurisdiction in the local sheriff's office where what county Mar-a-Lago's in to to oversee that and and to tell the FBI no? You know, uh, uh, as a practical matter, and, and and there's a little bit of mythology going on that that the, that the federal is supreme over the state. And it's and 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 the truth of the matter is that the state and federal are co-sovereign, and as a practical matter, they they pretty much try to stay out of each other's way. Um, the feds play nasty; they'll call the IRS in on a sheriff who decides that he's going to, you know, it's 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 that it's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are nasty competitions that happen known to happen between different agencies and and you know we try to work one of the problems i think uh and 
let's go back a little bit, if you don't mind. I'm not discounting Jeff Carlson's theory, you know, on mm-hmm. how they went in. I'll just propose my own. But as to the, uh, you know, back to the agency cooperation, there's too much of it. Uh, the FBI needs to be in a position to rein in, for example, the Bureau of Land Management if it goes too far, or the or the EPA if it goes too far, instead of Instead of playing uh, cleanup hitter, uh, the agencies need more separation, uh, and and I see that with the state agencies too. They they kind of cover for each other. They also have inter cooperation agreements with each other. Uh, for example, the state water board, parks and wildlife, and and TCEQ, you know, Texas Commission on Environment. Mm-hmm. So they all they're. And I, I see that as a real problem, uh, uh, and and I think legislators need to look at uh, having, for example, the Texas Attorney General's office, uh, where it can in a position where it can prosecute state agencies that violate our rights. You know, the TCQ shut off surface water to 700 farmers down there on the coast, lost the lawsuit, and it was uh, it was uh, pretty shameful. Uh, chapter in in Texas history, in my opinion, not to try to change the subject. No, that's far, right. But, but there's a lot of agency inter cooperation that I think is problematic. Uh, uh, you know, if the states are going to be point man for the for the environmental feds, then uh, hmm. then why do the states why do the state agency exist? Right. Uh, you know, uh, so. There's just a tremendous amount to get back to your, you know, the there is a lot of cooperation that goes on, as you might expect. You know, yeah. they're pretty much on the supposed to be on the same side. Well, you know, but, I, uh, I, I know they've hired. Uh, well, this last bill, this the the Inflation Reduction Act, supposedly um, puts into place, or at least they fund enough uh, IRS agents of, uh, up to eighty-seven thousand more. I think. Well. <laughs> It looks to me like they're just going after the American citizenry here. I think they are. They're really headed at the middle class. They don't want to let on what they're really doing. And, you know, 87,000 new union workers means that many more uh, union dollars going to, uh, I don't know what union dues are, but, you know, at $1,000 per worker per year, that's 87 million new dollars to the Democrat National Committee. So, wow. you know, and that's what yeah. I saw with with some of their Green New Deal stuff. They were creating all these new things that were would eventually be unionized, and that money goes to the DNC, you see. So oh, yep. that, that's, that, that was my take on that. I. I don't know if anybody else has had the same <laughs> well, right. take on it or not, but they're all about the money. Right. The right. Democrats are. They're the worst corporatists, and forcing us into battery-powered cars helps the Chinese battery corporations. And we saw how Hunter Biden was benefited by, you know, that very connection. Right. Uh, and so, and the oil connections there and in, or attempted in China and succeeded in Ukraine so, you know, it's it's not a corruption. But a, yep. Yeah. Well, well listen, J- Jay, I was going to say we're it's about out of time here, but um, I want to have you back sometime when we can talk more about some of these issues. And uh, you might have other things that you uh, thought maybe we ought to be able to explore. But 
Um, anyway, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Bill. I'm, uh, it's my honor. Well, you bet. And I tell you what, it's my privilege to meet you by telephone. So we'll, we'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Jay Collier Adams, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.